the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. on the two-man power trip of wrestling's podcasting empire. If you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and every single week we take a journey back in time. We go back and look at the years of the World Wrestling Federation between 1993 and early 1997. We call them the new generation years, but I can't do it alone, especially with this daunting task ahead of us as I am joined here by the boss, the man behind the Creative Control Network. This is Joe Feeney. Uh, it's a it's a honor and a pleasure to be here. It's it's going to make my life and my honor to uh, guest on this show. So, uh, but I have a confession to make to start. Uh-oh. I'm one, I'm one of those fans that uh, that kind of I don't want to say scoffs at the at the new generation era, but it's not my favorite. It's not my favorite. Looking back, I just remember Hogan winning the belt at nine, and I take my uh, little sabbatical, and then somewhere in there, there's a Diesel and Mabel main event. So I don't have the best like fondest memories of this time. Although I know there's a bunch of undiscovered stuff in there that I should have seen, you know, right. but uh, like ne- new generation, not among my favorite time periods. So I hate, I hate to tell you at the beginning of the show. Oh, it's <laughs> fine. You wouldn't be the only one. I mean, I yeah. can't tell you how many people, uh, you know, I've had a very small amount of people that just weren't either alive or didn't watch that have come on to talk about it. And mostly everybody in this same kind of age bracket that we're in, for the most part, say the same exact thing. Look, I tapped out for a few years because it wasn't what I'm used to. Yeah. But for those of us that did hang around, this sh- this show is kind of used as a tool to look back and say, was it as good as I remember? Was I mm-hmm. just 12 or 13 and loved anything wrestling? Or does it hold up and maybe kind of hold a bigger special place in uh, in all of our uh, new generation hearts? But you know, you, you said it right there. You tapped out. Well, why? What was the reason you tapped out? And we're getting to this early. This is usually a few minutes in, but you left yeah. the nugget dangling out there. We got to go with it now. That's called good podcasting right there. There you go. <laughs> I uh, It was just WrestleMania 9. Like I said, I've heard many people tell a similar story to mine. Like I've heard, I know I had Conrad Thompson on. He said the same thing. I think even Tony Khan said it like. It's a it's a regular thing for people to see this WrestleMania nine ending where Brett loses the belt and then Hogan swoops in on the red and yellow uh, power jet there and I'm gonna <laughs> save the day and you know and people were like Ugh. like they didn't want to see it anymore and Hulk was wasn't looking like Hulk either so people noticed that and I just uh, by King of the Ring I didn't even watch I, I, it just it just really quickly mm. taped off for me and I was hitting like twelve that year so. It could have been a combination of things, you know, you're, you're, you're becoming a very difficult teenager and you don't like, I don't like that, you know, <laughs> and, uh, I didn't come back until Hogan turned heel really, you know? So, and by the, but when I did, I was invested in everything. I was watching both shows on Monday. I was watching ECW would come on at month on uh, Monday nights at like 1am. It was great. Tuesdays at 10. I would watch USWA. Like I got way back into it in 96, but that 93, to 96 period there was mostly because of uh, Hogan. And even once Hogan was out of the picture, I still had that bad taste in my mouth from, cause I watched that pay-per-view, you know, WrestleMania nine is not, it's, it's not as bad as I think people remember. Like when you rewatch it, it's like, all right, this isn't that bad, but it was bad enough at the time to turn a lot of people off, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can say it, remember watching it and thinking it was not great, but as a tried and true Hulkamaniac, I can't say I did not like the ending because no. I starting to get upset even at 12 13 years old that the guys that i loved were now gone or going yeah. or phased out and not just talking hogan and beefcake and piper and savage and warrior and all those guys i'm talking you know your rick roods your jake the snakes you're getting the mm-hmm. guys that were the meat and bones of the golden era the just five years earlier they're all gone so for me i was sitting there being like he's back <laughs> let's get it going Let's somebody bring it. back king kong bundy now or somebody give him some big behemoth 
that he can body slam because I was ready for Hulkamania. So that's interesting. Now, were you a Hulkamaniac just a few a few years prior? Yeah, I when I was uh, first becoming a fan, it was really Hogan and Andre that drew me in, and and to a lesser extent, the Sav Savage and Steamboat ring bell to the throat. Like I thought that was incredible stuff. You know, I had to see where that was going to go. But I uh, I became a Warrior fan, so I think in that in that WrestleMania six main event, I kind of was waiting for the looking forward to a change on top, and then I grew from there into a into a Bret Hart fan. You know, so I became you know, kind of a little smart, you know, like, uh, like I, I, I appreciated Brett's matches. I knew that they were going to be good and little smart. Me already knew like, Oh, Hogan's going to do the three punches and all this stuff that we love now. You know, that's when people started to kind of choke on it was back then. So yeah, I started out a big Hulk fan. Uh, I couldn't wait to see, I think I saw him at the spectrum. Cool. I think I, I think I, I may have told you this before someone else, the first WWF event I went to at the spectrum, the title match was Hogan versus killer Khan. Very oh, wow. Short, very short-lived uh, house show feud there. I don't yeah. know if did anything on TV with it. but they There might be uh, – I think the only thing might be the Prism uh, broadcast of that show, yeah. the only one that's out there, and that is that is a absolute you know hidden gem uh, B-side of mm -hmm. Hulk Hogan is the Killer Con matches because that was essentially in 86, 87, early 88 – you gave Hogan the the B guy on the house shows, but he had three or four matches with them coming back and forth. Wow, that's a hell of a first show. Yeah, and Khan was I don't know if he always did this, but he was doing the Muda or the Great Yeah, Kaboom he did the mist. With the mist. I don't know if he always did that, but <clears throat> and I, I I often wonder why that happened because you don't see Hulk. Hulk's not going to talk about his killer con feud, you know, that often. I don't know if he's ever has. So I wonder if they were boys and he was hooking him up. You know, oh, let me get Khan in here for a little loop and get him paid or something like that. But, um, yeah, so I started out as, as a little uh, Hulkamaniac there. I, uh, I transferred to the, to the warrior for a little bit. And then, uh, you know, somewhere in 90, 91, I became like big, big hardcore Bret Hart fan. So I was happy when he beat Hennig, uh, for the IC belt. And then when he won the world title, I remember like kind of like thrown it in my friends' faces back then because they would make fun of me for being a Bret Hart fan and they were Hogan and Warrior fans. Bret's never going to do anything. So when it came out on Superstars that, that that day or whatever, that Bret had beat Flair for the championship, like I felt vindicated. Like I told you, I told you my boy was going to do it, you know? And that kind of came out of left field. But yeah, that's kind of my history of when I was young. I was, um, I wasn't always a, uh, like a baby face fan. Like I like demolition when they were heels yeah. liked, uh, savage as a heel. I like Jake. Jake was like one of my favorites. Like, I don't know if I was a disturbed little kid or what, but the Cobra <laughs> era of Jake slapping Elizabeth and having the snake bite savage. That was my guy too. So I was always a heel fan as well. So that makes it tough to cheer for Hulk, but I, I was there. And then I remember years later, I mean, I'm getting ahead, but watching uh, a tape that I'd put together, for my um, illegal eBay business at the time, selling uh, bootleg <laughs> tapes and all that. And it was just, you know, the best of Hogan at WrestleMania. And it just had his matches right in a row. Boom, boom, boom. And I remember watching it as I was dubbing it. And I was like, damn, this, you know what? Like, I don't know. I, I'm in my smart mindset. Hogan stinks. And then I, re I watched the tape and I'm like, he doesn't stink. What, what am I? I'm being influenced here by all the, you know, message boards and newsletters and all this. But his match was savage at five and, awesome. and slaughter at seven. Great stuff. Great, yeah. great stuff. Yeah. And and the slaughter at seven one, it's not that long. And they kind of give you what you want. You get the big Hulk up at the end. You know, there's a little bit of blood, a little, little bit of cheating, as you would see in a lot of Hogan matches. So it's like it, it did its job. But I'll tell you, if you bought the best of Madison Square Garden off eBay in the late 90s, early 2000s, odds are you got it from your buddy, the Chatster. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, that was uh, I remember, you know, this is totally off topic, but what a burgeoning little uh side illegal hustle for a teenager you know and and um if my dad somebody that listens to this he'll, he'll remember it <laughs> that uh i would come home with the big case of tapes and i would be running my uh packages to the post office on my bike like two shopping bags on each thing doo, 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 and uh, oh man i was making a couple bucks for for a 16 17 year old uh with his first hustle you know so Hat tip to you. Did it for many yep. years as well, so I uh, I completely understand. But it's a different yeah. world. So the statute of limitations it doesn't apply to long us gone, long gone. Doesn't yeah. apply. VHS, even though I do have, and I always say I got the VCRs right under my computer right here. So when I want to convert, I convert. There you but go. still, uh, we can't find many of those. All right. So new generation era. 
I wasn't a big Bret Hart guy. I, although I've grown to love him. He's, you know, one of my favorites of all time. Not a big Shawn Michaels guy. These were the guys we're starting to see push. The guys that are putting in the better matches. The guys that are a little smaller. They can do a little bit more. But in the back of everybody's mind, it's Vince McMahon still seen. Lex Luger. The Undertaker, Big Daddy Cool Diesel, Razor Ramon. These are other guys that are starting to get big pushes. Now, what was it about the new generation cast that didn't bring you back? I think it was kind of like what you said, where everybody disappeared so fast. That 92, late 92 was difficult. Uh, if you look at the WrestleMania 8 card towards uh, Survivor Series, like, you know, Warrior and Davey Boy, gone. Um, there was Sid, gone. There was a bunch of guys that, that, that were gone and, uh, you know, I remember, despite being a Bret Hart fan, seeing that he was defending the world title against Shawn Michaels in nineteen in ninety two. I was like, yeah. I don't think this. I'm not quite ready for that yet. You know, I don't think Shawn's quite ready for that either. And it just his title run wasn't very impressive because he didn't have the challengers. I thought they did a cool thing where they were like fighting champion. You know, he would come on TV and defend against Skinner or yeah. Papa Shango, or they put him in there with a mid card heel or whatever. So you always saw him. You always saw the champion, but there wasn't that big. Uh, opponent for him to face on pay-per-view there was new you know he would face sean who was kind of you know he just won the ic belt a few months later he fought razor who was just arriving you know and then uh yoko was next up and uh i just he that first title run he had wasn't you know wasn't going to really uh garner much interest i don't think just because the opponents weren't there same problem sting had with his first title run uh, in wcw you know there was uh if you've read brett's book and i'm pretty sure you have uh, right over here. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, mine's all worn, worn down, but you know, he talks about how he was expecting to, to face warrior that year. And like, right. I doubt that, that, that warrior ever would have done that, but what a, a passing of the torch that would have been to see the ultimate warrior tap out to the sharpshooter. That would have been, that would have launched him. Oh my God. And unfortunately, Brett never got the, the win over Hogan or warrior. Uh, he never got a televised win over Savage which when I use my fantasy booking brain, I'm like, why didn't they just do Brett Savage at WrestleMania nine? Yeah. The guy just won the title the year before Savage, you know, it would have been a nice little torch passing moment, but it's not the way it worked out. So I think it was just uh, unfamiliarity. I think I said that right. Yeah, you did. Uh, with some of the new, with some of the new guys coming in and, uh, that's that's basically it. Maybe my age changing and, and some of the, and not recognizing some of the guys. And, and also there was, um, you know, the, the formula of WWE, you know, you, it was kind of similar for years. So you could see things coming. You could see who was going to get pushed. You could kind of guess. And, you know, they didn't really get unpredictable for a few years. So I think it was just every once in a while you need a break from uh, from wrestling, you know. And uh, when you come back, you're refreshed. It's all you're, it's all happy again. And I think that's what it was for me. It was just time for a break. Plus, I wasn't, you know, the guys that I was a fan of were being cycled out and stuff kind of similar to you. Yeah, that made it tough for me, but I stayed with it. I was a loyalist, you know, and again, I kind of put I always say I was a loyalist because of location and being a Northeast guy, you know, Philly. I was in Jersey, the WWF. They even though we got WCW and we, we could go to the show if we wanted to and Philly, New Jersey, New York, that's WWF country. For sure. One hundred percent. No, no, no other way to, to slice it. Um, so for me, I, yeah, I, my guys were gone and I, but I still hung in there and I still watch. Now you look at, you said, uh, WrestleMania, the Royal rumble, 92 to 93 is like, pay, take your pick in 92, 93. You're like, uh, Hmm. <laughs> well, I guess if the macho man doesn't try to go for a pin to end yeah. the Royal rumble, right. maybe he would have won, but yeah, that's exactly, those are two great launching points. So let me ask you this question. Where do you think the new generation starts? I say it's the launch of Monday Night Raw. Some people say it's Brett winning the belt in 92. I've had people go as far as to say it wasn't until Hogan loses to Yokozuna in 93 at King of the Ring. So where do you think it starts? I think you're, I think the launch of Monday Night Raw is correct because that was so different. And, uh, you know, for, again, for me, who was kind of cycling out at the time, it took a little time to get used to, you know. Wasn't quite sure about it. Didn't know what they were trying to do. Thought it was going to be like shotgun years later where they were like, we're going to do this live right. in the club every Saturday. It lasted like three weeks. That's what I thought of raw. When I first saw it, I was like, well, this is a nice little uh, flash in the pan. He's going to get bored with his, uh, with his new play set here. And it'll go back to something else or, or house show matches or whatever. Cause I remember, um, love and prime time, you know, especially yeah. when, when Heenan and gorilla were on there. And then I liked the, the round table gimmick that they did with, yep. you know, you have, 
Hillbilly Jim on there or Perfect and Heenan going at it. And I like that, you know. So Raw to me was like, oh, why are they changing it, you know? But uh, and losing an hour, they went from two hours to one hour. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And uh, but I, I agree with you. I think the the launch of Raw was was the new generation. And uh, yeah, it's pretty incredible to, to see where, you know, 30 years later or whatever, almost 30 years later, where it is. That's crazy. And it's two hours too long now and uh, yeah. doesn't have half the creativity or star power that it had as a one hour entity in a Manhattan Center ballroom. Uh, that could, you know, like right now they probably kill for house show numbers that were in the Manhattan Center, right? Which is nuts, thinking yeah. back 30 years. Uh, so, all right, we're going to talk. Never, about- I've never been there. Have you been to uh, the Manhattan I've Center? never been to the Manhattan Center. I've actually never even been in the Hammerstein. I've walked by it 17,000 times, but I've never been in it for a, a concert or a show. When I worked at Stern, there was something I could have gone to at Hammerstein, and I declined, and that would have been the only time I would have ever been in the building. Yeah, I was at Hammerstein once and it was super cool uh not for wrestling a big surprise guns and roses. oh my gosh the guns and roses wasn't that was that a surprise show no it was his, uh, axel's first show back after okay his, that's what it was his right. tour his tour collapsed at the end of 2002 so it was like i had to get tickets to see what he was playing what dude was going to look like all that stuff it was i mean it was a pretty incredible experience the, that that fan base you know to to get off on uh not to take a right turn here that fan base is hardcore like you know, wrestling fans or whatever. So that guy to see him, you know, you wanted to cheer, you wanted to support him. You wanted to make him feel like, yeah, you come back. Come on, man. This is going to be great. <laughs> so that was a lot of fun. I almost went to a uh, ECW to 2006, the one night stand there, but didn't, didn't quite make it. Uh, although long, uh, short story here, when I was at the guns and roses show, uh, I'm sitting there and I've had my drinks and, you know, a little partying going on. And with a, a girl, I just started dating. I'm feeling good. And I see a guy in front of me in the back of his shirt says, you know, quote the Raven nevermore. <laughs> so I'm from feeling good. I'm feeling friendly. I tap the guy. I'm like, hey, man, uh, yeah, I'm from Philly. Fucking, you know, really dig the shirt. You know, can I curse here? I hope so. Um, so I was like, yeah, I really, really dig the shirt. And he's like, oh, like your grandmother's podcast. Come on. <laughs> he's like, oh, cool, man. What are you? Uh, you're an ECW fan. I'm like, yeah, I was uh, I- I'm from Philly. I was at Hardcore Homecoming last year it was tremendous. And he's like, uh. Uh, yo, Mikey, this guy's a big ECW fan. Turns around, Mikey Whipwreck. <laughs> you know, that's a big, big moment for me at the time. Damn, what's up, Mikey? And we were talking about what was where ECW was going that year. And it was just uh, an interesting small role. But then come to find out, like that night in the building, because wrestlers love one of two bands or both. Wrestlers love ACDC or Guns N' Roses or both, you know. So in the building that night was like Mikey, just incredible. Uh, Jericho was there with Sebastian Bach, blah, blah, blah. There was all these, uh, Bubba Ray was there, you know, uh, Dreamer. So you find out years later that the building was full of wrestlers. So that's the little connection to the wrestling world and, and Hammerstein. So no, I, mean, no, honestly, yeah, I thought you were going to say Bubba. That's who I thought you were going with. Cause I know Bubba would always pop around at a lot of the big shows that were yeah. uh, around the Jersey, New York area. That would always be a club thing. It was, you know, you go to bar a in, uh, in Jersey, Mm-hmm. Uh, Bubba be dancing, you know, chopping it up on the dance floor, and everybody would just be too afraid to talk to him because he's either blitzed out of his gourd <laughs> or something. <laughs> I saw a picture of him uh, with the like the giant impact title belt over his shoulder at that bar, you know, like with uh, with his boy Ryan uh, Mar. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. All right. So this uh, what we're going to talk about today. I had you watch the two dudes with attitudes WWE untold. That's now the part of the Peacock uh, yeah. family it was a WWE network original. Now it's on Peacock. Uh, this series kind of digging into some deeper stuff. I, this is really my first time checking it out. So I'll be quite honest with you. I'm not going to say that I've watched 10,000 uh, episodes of it or how many there are. This yeah. was the first one. But what I do like is I call this like a deep cut. This is something that you wouldn't necessarily think garners a wwe produced uh documentary but thus the two dudes with attitude sean michaels and diesel who i call two of the five players the marquee players of that era i say it's brett uh razor uh, undertaker sean diesel those are the top five those are your go-to uh but these two told the whole story top to bottom the one we know about Shawn michaels discovering uh vinnie vegas on wcw saturday night through the Hall of Fame induction of Kevin Nash. And in between, uh, before we talk about some of the meat and potatoes, what did you think of this uh, WWE Untold? 
I, I can never get enough of these inside stories and documentaries. Like I've said before, like I was a big shoot interview mark. You know, I was a big kayfabe commentaries mark. I would watch timelines and, and, and you know, um, all their stuff. I think they, they did great stuff. So when WWE started doing these deep dives, uh, even back on the WWE 24, what was it? 24, 7. Oh my gosh. The best. When they used to do the legends round tables, I loved, I was always waiting for those. So I, I love the inside stories. Plus you have to, uh, add in the fact that Kevin Nash is like a national treasure when it comes <laughs> to the story. Like, you know, I don't like to be, you know, well, maybe I do like to be morbid, but I don't want to be morbid, but like, you know, when we lose Nash, that's going to be a big loss because he isn't afraid to tell, you know, great stories from the nineties, all this. He seems like a, he's a very funny guy. You know, you're going to get your money's worth when he's on a documentary or a, or a Q and a or whatever. Oh yeah. So absolutely. He, uh, it was great to see him doing his thing and telling stories. Sean, I, uh, as a Brett guy, I've never been a gigantic Sean guy, so I don't, you know, hate him or whatever. He was a tremendous performer. Uh, and his stories are, he's an okay storyteller. You never know with Sean, if he's really telling the truth or if he's misremembering or if he's not remembering on purpose, you know, there's some of that going on there, but, uh, overall I liked it. And it, again, because it was a time period I wasn't too familiar with, you know, I'm seeing new things. I'm learning new things. So interesting. I, I give so, it a thumbs up. So, what, so point out something that you really didn't know or weren't familiar with that, that stuck out to you. Um, not really anything as far as the stories, just some of the footage, I guess, uh, some of the footage of Nash after he wins the belt going back. That was very, yes. Very cool. For some reason, Bundy's there. And I mean, <laughs> I know they're not, it wasn't like a kayfabe type thing, but no. seeing Bundy, I'm like, shouldn't he be going to the baby face locker room? What the hell is King Kong Bunny doing there? Yeah. Uh, just some of the footage I hadn't seen, but a lot of the stories or whatever I kind of knew cause I've, you know, read Sean's books and seen a million Nash interviews. So I kind of know the stuff, but seeing some of the footage was really cool. And uh, I, 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 I don't know if they did. Maybe I missed it. I like the fact that uh, Kevin isn't afraid to point out like when uh, Michaels took that weird power bomb at WrestleMania 11, where he like, landed on his feet. Yeah. He's alluded to like, I know he did that to make me look bad, but we're still boys. You know, I don't know if he said that on this, but I always thought that was amusing. He's he, like, he knows Sean kind of wanted to outshine him. But fuck it, we're 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 buddies, so who really cares? You know, that's always been the way he's he's taken it. So, a anything with these two guys or or Nash and Hall or Nash and Waltman, you know, the key the key uh, guy being Nash there, it's always going to be entertaining and informative. So, I thought the click stuff was very downplayed in this, and it really shouldn't have been. I mean, they they you know obviously reference it, they show the curtain call. I hated the talking heads, and I know that's such a small nuance to the whole story, but. No offense. Give me Vince. <laughs> Give me yeah. somebody backstage. I don't need some, you know, and I don't know the guy. I don't know if you ever know who the, the historian was. I don't need the Mark historian who's basically like our age <laughs> that wasn't there regurgitating stories that he's heard on other stuff. I don't need him being one of the main talking heads when I could be hearing it from Vince being like, these guys are pains in the ass. So you get a Michael Hayes on there being like, nobody yeah. wanted to talk to them. And, and I would have rather have seen that or it just stick to, Shawn Michaels and Nash giving their end of the story. And then obviously uh, Pritchard was great that they, they put him in there, but I don't need the, the, the guy who had nothing to do with it as a main player and going to him for pivotal spots and being like, why is he explaining this? Yeah. I mean, it could have been worse. She could have had Bubba, the, Bubba, the love sponge on there or <laughs> Rosenberg or this, uh, so Dan Soder. And I don't, I don't know any of those guys. So, uh, Rosenberg could be the greatest guy in the world. And so could Soder, but I, I, really had a problem with that savage documentary again it, that's going it's off universal. Track. it's universal because I, I guess they do that more just to get uh, maybe the outside listener or a viewer that's just going by and seeing somebody else talk about it rather than seeing you know the dumb wrestler or some you know wrestling personality they might not be aware of i don't know how many people will be aware of some of the talking heads <laughs> but still i mean it was in the piper documentary too and i'm sitting there going like i Who is this yeah, yeah. i I want to hear from the family, the people that were there, and the boss. That's who I want to hear from. Yeah, I mean, like I said, taking a right turn. On this Savage documentary, you only see Bischoff and Nash for a couple of – and I'm like, well, let me get some more of that. Yes. Where are these guys at? Because Hulk is Hulk. Again, he's his stories have been told so many times that even if they're glaringly untrue, he's told them so many times that they're not. They're not he, anymore. It happened. It happened to him. It did. You know? And uh, so Hulk's cool. I would have um, 
uh, the gorgeous George thing was, what are you going to do? That's, there was no reason for I that. I was surprised that she was included. Uh, I'll just yeah. say it like that. I was actually shocked that they would put her in it. Well, include her, but let's, let's tone it. It's not, it's not a dark side of the ring. It's not a character assassination. Right. It's anything like that. Yeah. Know? That was weird. That, that was but, very weird. Anyway. So, uh, yeah, the, the WWE Network, when they produce things like this, and if it's something you're not familiar with, like Eddie versus Ray or, uh, you know, Cactus versus Triple H or, you know, stuff like that, they, they delve deep into something that's not WrestleMania 3 again or, you know, Austin uh, versus Brett again. When they tell these documentaries about different things that haven't been told to death, it's always great. So that's that's the reason I'm still subscribed, really, right, right. Stuff like this. Yeah, no, that's that's pretty. Uh, that I would kind of, if I didn't get it for free as part of my cable package, I'd be in mm. the same kind of department as you. But well, I do too. Holy shit! That's oh, right. there you go. See, that's the way you got to do it. <laughs> but uh, you know, yeah, you, the one thing you said before about Shawn Michaels maybe not remembering things. I guess if Bret Hart's sitting next to him, that's the only time he doesn't remember it because he was pretty. He seemed pretty sure of himself with a lot of the things he was kind of uh, explaining here. And I thought what they did do well was show the Kevin Nash progression from the Master Blaster to Oz to Vinny Vegas to Diesel. So I thought that was actually really well done. Yeah. And I remember kind of spotting him early. And I didn't know his history, of course. I didn't know he was, oh, the bouncer, the cheetah and stuff. I just knew he was a big guy that I had seen in different incarnations. Like I knew Oz was Vinny Vegas and stuff like that. You know, I probably from pwi or whatever and i just thought he was funny and i thought he you know he's a big guy it's 1992 93 you know maybe if properly uh you know had to had to break character he would have done he would have done well and that's what we saw he came in and silent bodyguard just kicking ass and you know there could be some lessons learned from the portrayal of diesel and how that whole thing went you know how to portray someone as a kick-ass bodyguard progress him into, into a dominant right. baby face right but uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun seeing his. Uh, you know, you gotta wonder how he didn't quit it those first two years in with with Oz and the Master Blasters and Vinny Vegas was cool. If you look back at if you watch old WCW, Vinny Vegas was eventually associated with DDP. Right, made sense. Diamond Stud and even Raven and Scotty uh, Scotty Flamingo. So that's kind of like a look into the future for those guys. Very weird that those uh, four guys would be such a huge part of WCW and at the end of the decade, whereas at the beginning of it they were, I would say, in the uh, the outhouse rather than the penthouse. <laughs> yeah, they all had to they all had to leave and come back. I don't know how many people you know realize it, but DDP was actually released uh, at one point. I think it was ninety yeah. three ish, maybe, or I'm not sure, but he left and uh, went with Jake to Mexico and all this and. He was rehabbing his shoulder, so when he came back, he was in better shape and blah blah blah. So looked like a different guy. Yeah, he looked completely different. And he learned all these new moves, and it was you know whatever. But yeah, they all had to leave and come back. You know, go learn a new hold and come back, like uh, Jr. says. Yeah, interesting. They did not focus on. I don't know if you remember this because you know you tapped out, but they Bruce talked about him doing the hand thing on the Heartbreak Hotel, and he was constantly doing this with his hands. It's audio, so people can't see me doing this, but. The punch was the original heater to the Diesel character. It wasn't the jackknife. The jackknife kind of got there as he did his matches. But the punch was actually the whole point, is that he was the insurance policy, and he knocked out Marty Jannetty with a punch. He knocked out whomever else with a punch. And that, I kind of felt, was a missed thing. But maybe that's a little – that's an itty-bitty detail. But they pointed out the, the this. How about the Heartbreak Hotel? Did you, uh, did you catch that while you uh, would see things over time? No, I mean, looking back now, uh, I see it more. I don't think I uh, ever caught it live, you know, being I was I was kind of out of it. Uh, but I was recently reading about a great appearance from Piper on there. So I'm going to I'm going to seek that out. And uh, there's a few, not many, but there's a few that are good. Yeah, I was gonna, I'm, I'm sure because uh, Sean, uh, I could definitely see him carrying a segment like that, especially at that time. And uh, with Diesel in the background, that makes it a lot of fun and everything. So, yeah, the, the thing I love about the the new generation is is when you find or hear about those hidden gems. And, you know, I think I'm among the group that, like I said, kind of looks down on it. But then you hear from someone, well, no, you got to watch Michael's Jarrett or you got to watch the click tag match. Oh, my God, it's so good. Or Steiners versus Owen and Brett, you know, stuff like that. So there's always stuff in there that came out on the tapes that was going on that you didn't really didn't really see or know about. So being that they were going towards a youth movement here, you got the younger generation coming in and trying to tear it up and get noticed, you know, one, two, three kids coming in, all this. So. 
I think that's my favorite part of the new generation in general is going back and seeing things that I know I didn't see, you know, Oh my God, it's the heavenly bodies. What the hell's going on here? You know, like mm-hmm. that. go back and listen to my Coliseum video, uh, hidden gems, uh, episode where I point that out and the Steiners versus Brett. No one is uh, at the yeah. top of that list. So is the click tag team match from the action zone. That's another yeah. one. Um, so the two dudes with attitudes, we were talking about just before we got started here that you said that you remember from WCW, uh, the dudes with attitudes, uh, being a, a short lived thing, but you know, WWF putting the spin, the two dudes, I, I gotta say, and even for the nineties, very lame. And, and at the time where things, we were needing things to be a little cooler by 95, when Shawn Michaels is a baby face and Diesel's the world champ, these two guys couldn't be any less cool, and they were so neutered. <laughs> two just yeah. attitudes seemed like two dorks yeah. and one that needs a fork. Like It was like literally, it made no sense. So uh, you, you're claiming the dudes with attitudes is a complete fabrication of an original idea of a Vince McMahon. <laughs> yeah, the dudes, I mean, obviously, that's what else are you going to rhyme with dudes? I get it. But, uh, you know, the, the dudes with attitudes was, I think it was Sting, Orndorff, and JYD, and maybe one maybe one other guy. And they were feuding with the Horsemen in, like, 90, you know. So I, I remember that for sure, and I thought it was lame in 90. So when it came back in 95 or whatever, it was like, whoa. You know, just kind of hearing about it or, you know, maybe I would grab a PWI here and there to see what was going on. Be like, oh, my God, they're reusing that name. Oh, and uh, I can just picture the shirts like really bright colors and all the, kinds of shit the going shirt on. Was a, the shirt was one of those. If you remember the Razor Ramon shirt, the yellow oh. shirt. Okay, so picture that in blue with the two of them on it in the front and on the back, like with the, I, I want to say, like tire marks that says oh. two dudes with attitudes. It's like, oh my God. Like that's, that's something that's, uh, that, <laughs> That that's Johnny podcasting level creation. Yeah. Two dudes with attitudes. (laughs) And it's so funny that they wanted to be colorful and have all these, you know, crazy looking shirt ideas and let's let's do this and that. And for every single company, all it took was like a black shirt with like white lettering. (laughs) And that's it. You know, NWO, Austin three sixteen, ECW, you know, whatever. Like black with white lettering or red and it's still to this day obviously we you know that's kind of the joke you go to a wrestling show it's like black t-shirt central you know everybody's wearing it everyone's scruffy everyone's wearing a hat you know so i hate that i hate that scruffy in a hat i hate that stereotype about wrestling fans (laughs) that's what it is nothing wrong with scruffy in a hat well when you wear sunglasses on your head indoors you kind of look like a douchebag so uh you know i I might fill a couple boxes on that uh on that you gotta have you gotta have your look you gotta have your look (laughs) All right, so also two dudes with attitudes uh, kind of showed the progression. Diesel becomes a world champ. At one point, Shawn Michaels is the Intercontinental champ. <laughs> Another little side name that uh, Kevin Nash mentions, two, two, <laughs> two chaps with all the straps when they Yikes. win the tag belts. Here's the thing. They actually are never officially the tag champs, so I don't know why they were kind of hitting that home like they were because they weren't, it was, it, they were stripped right away. And it was not like it was this th- major thing. Wow. They have all four belts. That was a complete farce. It, they took them away the next night. It wasn't like the reigning and defending tag team champions. That was a complete miss on their part. Yeah. That, uh, isn't that where they pinned Owen and he wasn't the legal man. Yeah, And they took him away the next night. It wasn't even yeah. like a thought. Yeah. That's interesting. I think it was even in the freeze frames. You know, they do the old Monday Night Raw would give you the freeze frames of the yeah. pay-per-view that you missed. Mm-hmm. And they would point out it's the illegal man. And I think when the show started, they go, nope, they're stripped. And that was the end of it. Now, here's one gigantic glaring omission from this documentary. And it basically goes from the curtain call to Kevin Nash going into the Hall of Fame completely. Oh, no, excuse me. They mentioned O2 when Shawn Michaels, uh, you know, was uh, really, really messed up and... They go into that, but they completely miss the good friends, better enemies, which could Mm. be one of their best matches that they had together. And the buildup, it started at Madison Square Garden with a chair shot that led to the good friends, better enemies, which led to the curtain call. So they completely missed the probably the most intense part of this association with the two of them. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess they're doing the best they can with their 48 minutes or whatever it was, you know, something was like 53 minutes, something strange. I guess in case it's televised, um, just, just to step back a minute before we talk about that, I, I, I wanted to talk about how I noticed so many similarities between Hogan and 84 and diesel and 94 it's here. Like, it really hit home for me last night that they were 
absolutely trying to find the next Hulk Hogan, which isn't anything. It's not rocket science, but Diesel winning the belt in Madison Square Garden, you know, off a, a transitional champion like the Sheik was. The celebration, the it just was like, wow, they wanted they wanted Diesel Mania, you yeah. know, and uh, you know for some reason it wasn't the right time. He wasn't ready yet. Whatever it's like, he said what, when he won the world title, he hadn't had a hundred matches or two hundred matches. Is that what he said? Something like that. Yeah. So uh, people don't remember he he started in ninety, was champion in at the end of uh, at the end of ninety four. So that's uh, that wasn't usual back then. That was that wasn't usual. So, but I did like the glaring um, similarities between Hogan and the Diesel coronation was like, wow, they were really it was like a recreation almost. And uh, you know, I don't know too much about his title reign, just the matches that he had and stuff. I just think, you know, whoever puts Nash and Sid in there as the main event isn't thinking clearly, you know. And I like both of guys, but but putting them together, you're not going to have it's not going to light the world on fire. You know, and then he had Mabel. You know, it's he just didn't kind of like Brett's title ring where it wasn't ideal. Diesel's title ring wasn't really ideal, and uh, I don't know why that is. If it was the challengers, if it was him, people were having trouble st- sticking behind him, whatever. But uh, yeah, it's it's too bad that he finally found like the best iteration of the Diesel character as he was on his way out the door, right? So he was, you know, I don't know if you, I guess he was a tweener, then a heel kind of thing. But it was like uh, it was almost Stone Cold esque, and I'm gonna do what I want. And he was right. dropping curses and attacking everyone and not trusting anyone. So that would have, uh, if they would have had Diesel resign, that would have been a really cool uh, character evolution to keep to keep an eye on. So, but you know, didn't happen. How about this, uh, Fantasy Booker? Let's give that Diesel portrayal at the end from November '95 to when he leaves in May '96. Let's give that guy the world title in January 94, are we not looking at the dark ages? Do you think a character like that could have brought people back? As long as he had a black t-shirt with white lettering. <laughs> he Diesel did. Pa- it, it, was silver. it was silver. So oh, yeah. it, it was, it was as close to white as it was going to get that diesel character. And that's why, again, yeah, I understand you're right. 52 minutes is what the documentary was. Mm-hmm. I mean, what are you going to do? They couldn't get everything in, but I kind of felt like the thing that they didn't have was like the attitude part. And that's what the diesel on the way out had, which kind of led to the attitude that Shawn Michaels would have on television a year later. So that part of it was kind of, I think, uh, maybe uh, purposely left off. Maybe uh, two dudes with attitudes part do. Maybe we're going to go back and look at it again. Because, I mean, you know, nobody, and especially if you were tapped out and you were coming back in the summer of 96, Shawn Michaels was not a popular champion, especially no. in these prime markets of Philly, New Jersey, New York. That music hit. He was booed out of the building. Yeah. I remember seeing that and I was just coming back and actually like I was hooked on WCW at the moment because it had every, Oh my God, Savage and Jesus IRS is here even. Oh my God. They got everybody. So flipping the raw was kind of just like, ah, oh, it's commercial. Let's see what they're doing. And I'd be like, who the, who's leaf Cassidy. I don't understand what this is. What's going on here. So, yeah, I did too. But um, <laughs> so it took me a little while to, you know, and then once Brett came back, of course there I am like, Oh shit, I can watch more of this now. So, but I did notice that Michaels wasn't the most popular. And I was kind of thinking that as a fan, like, why are they sticking with this? This is weird. You know, the, the old Vince never would have done this. No. And uh, to see Sid get it uh, and that reaction is still so much fun to watch. His entrance with the fist bumping everyone on his way. It's it's unbelievable, the, that crowd reaction that Sid got. People want to dump on Sid, but man, was he popular in, in certain times in certain places. Uh, but yeah, Sean, again... Again, with the with the you know challengers that aren't that great, I think he expected I'll win the belt, I'll feud with Diesel, and they mentioned that on the on the documentary. And uh, maybe I'll go back with Razor again, and uh, that'll carry me through like my first nine months as champion. He didn't have any of that. Right. He, he had some strange feud with the Bulldog, which was cursed by a, a power outage on a pay per view and all this. So he, uh, much like Brett, much like Diesel, he had trouble getting out of the gates because who's he going to defend against? You know, right. it, it shows you something that Mind Games 96 was Michaels against Mankind. Right. Mankind had been around like four months, five months. And all, and he's the main event challengers because they didn't have anyone. No. You know, they had already run through Vader. Sean didn't like it. You know, whatever. Sid was waiting in the wings. Brett's waiting in the wings. So 
it's an interesting time 96 to watch for sure should have given it to my uh, my buddy big glenn i would have loved to have seen uh, fake diesel take on uh Shawn michaels said yeah. uh, uh good friends better enemies too yeah <laughs> but this yeah. time not the real guy all right so uh let me ask you these before we wrap up so even though you tapped out your back in mid 96 did you go to mind games it was in philly no it was a little, little soon for me i i my first show since i started watching again was a wcw house show in in the spectrum in june uh june or july of 97 i remember it specifically because um x-pac or flair one of them was super late so one of the, i think it was flair because x-pac would come out to the ring trash talk him they play flair's music he never comes out x-pac goes to the back they come out they do it again whatever and the fact that raven and stevie richards debuted oh wow <laughs> uh, you know in philly, in off, philly. damn off camera yeah and uh what a reaction that got because i had just really started watching ecw you know and uh wwe i i i went sometime in 97 i think that was the first show i went to since watching again and i remember it because it was one of pillman's last uh it was his last loop you know and there oh, was okay. there was something funny going on there where it was very short i think he was late you know so him and gold dust brought around for three minutes and there's a dq like something funny was happening at that time too they didn't want him out there too long so no i missed mind games i made up for it i, I got to go to some pay-per-views years later i didn't see any live in the 90s unfortunately who uh yeah. you also missed king of the ring 95 which basically well <laughs> that was the show that I, I if you were gonna put something in the spotlight that shits on the new generation it's King of the Ring 95 because of the Philly crowd chanting ECW, chanting bullshit, booing everybody and their mother, uh, which they would do. It's Philly. They would boo their own mother. So that's yeah. uh, <laughs> that That wouldn't be out of the norm. Uh, but yeah, Philly is a huge, huge uh, launching point for a lot of big moments in that time span. So congratulations, Philly. You did a, you did good for once. Way to be pains in the ass to everybody. <laughs> but when you look at when you look at King of the Ring 95, not only were they going to fart on having Mabel is because what's, you know, no disrespect to the dead, but what kind of matches are you going to get out of Mabel? And he, he wasn't great on the stick, you know, it was just like, Hey, he's big, push him, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, the, the crowd was advancing past that stage. Plus when you look at the tournament, you know, Michaels was in it. He's out. He's Undertaker's out. In it, he's out. And then uh, you're left with Mabel and Savio Vega. And there's a pay-per-view like, what yeah. is this could have been so much better. Why are they, why are they doing this to us? You know? Yeah, Scott Hall's hurt. He's off on the side. Jeff Jarrett's not in it for whatever reason. He's off just to the side for the roadie. So yeah. you have the two side guys in place of the main guys. And then, yeah, Michaels is out. Undertaker's out. And then you got the kiss my foot match. Not very good. Um, entertaining, but, you know, not something that's going to carry a show. And then you got a, a tag team match main event that's just like, really, maybe the kiss my foot match should have made evented this show. <laughs> At least Road Dog and uh, and Waltman came out and had a tremendous match. That was in the tournament that were done. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, wait. Was that the t – no, no, because uh, Road – no, Road Dog beats Bob Holly oh. to qualify on the pre-show to mm -hmm. face Savio Vega. So made, way to make the heel <laughs> – way to make the heel not look like he's, like, overcoming the odds that he wins the pre-show match to get to the first match on the card. <laughs> yeah. I, I forget what – what show that was, but uh, look up Road Dog or the Roadie versus One Two Three Kid. You'll find it. I think that's it in your house. I want to say some pay per view, and they just uh, they were a little bit ahead of their time there. And people might say, "Who, who Road Dog? Yes, Road Dog had a tremendous match with uh, with Waltman." So there you go. All right. Well, uh, overall, final thoughts on uh, Two Dudes with Attitudes. Like I said, Kevin Nash is an absolute treasure to the wrestling business as far as his sense of humor storytelling uh, recollections i trust a little bit more than some others maybe i shouldn't uh so well, anything anything involving nash i'm gonna watch he's like a cornet or uh well like a cornet i'm trying to think of someone else that's done 10 shoot dvds and doesn't doesn't get old you know that's really just nash and cornet so uh you know franchise good. yeah franchise yeah i liked his uh his uh breaking kayfabe was was phenomenal uh, so I liked it a lot. Uh, Sean, um, man, it's, uh, you hate to kick a guy when he's aging, but Sean has, he, that's a tough, he must've had a tough paper route, man. Oof. He's, but I, I appreciate the fact that he's confident enough to not care. Yeah. You know, he's got his, he's got his hat on. There's, you know, he's clearly balding. He's got the lipper in, you know, he don't give a fuck. So good for him. 
And, uh, and for God's sakes, could you have gotten someone other than Bruce to do this? Because he looks exhausted. Please <laughs> make it easy on Bruce Pritchard. You know, if you wanted to peek in the WWE writer's room, all you need to do is watch the, the untold of two dudes with attitude. <laughs> yeah. I mean, take a look at Bruce at like, uh, any of the live shows with Conrad or, or doing a radio show when he's plugging something to wrestle with back in the day, he's tan. He's got the buttons down a little bit. He's cooler in game. He's, he's chilling. And, uh, now you, you take a look at him on these documentaries and he looks, he looks very tired. <laughs> so I don't know what his, what his plan is. Maybe he, he's like, maybe I can get the big seat one day or maybe he's just around for the money and he'll be gone in a year. Who knows? Maybe can't get any worse with certain aspects. So, I mean, yeah. it remains to be seen, but all right. Yeah, I completely agree to do that too. It was well done. Yeah. You know, what can you say? Nash made it for me as well. So it, it is what it is. It was great, but the best part was getting the chance to get you on here because I've been after you for a while to come on. Uh, and I was going to pencil you in for doink the clown, uh, mm -hmm. the evil doink which I plugged last week. So I did a whole show last week, kind of plugging what I was going to be doing, forgetting that I was supposed to do this thing this week and never mentioned it once. So surprise, we have two dudes with attitudes today. Yeah. Isn't, that, isn't that beautiful? You just kind of go on the fly. You just, just roll with it. I, I'm always happy to do this show because like I said, there's, there's things that I missed. So if there's an excuse to go back and watch something that I haven't seen or has completely slipped my uh, memory, then I'm, I'm happy to do it and happy to discuss it. So, I think this officially puts you in more two-man power trip or TMPT Empire shows than me for the calendar year of 2021 so far. So good for you. <laughs> Let's see. I did I did two-man power trip. I did this. I did John Pond's versus. Is there something else? That, I'm not sure. I, there's a lot. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's you know there's a lot under the umbrella. I mean this you should be very happy that I helped create this thing uh, all the way way back when to give you this additional platform to do your uh, your thing but i appreciate it man i'm glad we got a chance to do this because uh, usually i'm sitting in the side chair and i just get to pipe in every so often so i'm glad that i could uh sit in the driver's seat and uh and throw some things your way yeah and i just want to say that uh i'm i'm glad that we all got a chance to connect you know and uh having having you and john bring some shows to the Creek control network is obviously a good thing you're both professional it it, it brings another takes it takes it to another level you know where uh you know, you guys are professionals and uh, the shows are good. They sound good. There's, I don't, you know, I don't have to, there's no tweaking on my, I don't have to be embarrassed about, Oh God, do I want to have this under my name? So it's great having you guys on. And uh, you know, hopefully as the year progresses, we all, everything goes up. Cause I mean, it's been, it's been three years almost. I think it's about three years since I started that thing. So uh, it's, and it's it's gotten better and better every year. So hopefully we continue on that path. That's awesome, man. I remember, you know, as you were kind of coming up at the same time that we were and seeing what you were doing and kind of how it was evolving. And the same thing with us, how we were evolving and getting into some other things. And it's just it's very cool to see in six years later, you know, how we kind of the dust settles and those who put in the work and put in the efforts still kind of are in the middle of things and others that don't put in the work and just kind of fart their way through uh, existence. Yeah. Try to fall back down the chain. And that's uh, going to be a part of the movement is to eradicate a lot of that in the near future. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, and who knows what, what the next six years are going to bring. Maybe uh, we'll be sitting in, sitting around a round table, uh, booking a WrestleMania backlash or but whatever the fuck it's called. <laughs> yeah. WrestleMania backlash. So I'm, I'm going to say, I'd like to do uh SummerSlam. I'm going to try to think of another uh, event off the top, but a uh, SummerSlam, no mercy. You know, I'll just, yeah, just I'll go for one of those. I'll just combine another two events, and uh, we'll leave it at that. All right. So now the uh, the golden time. It's yours. Plug whatever you want. The amazing shows you got on Creative Control and all the uh, the things you've got your hands in. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of baskets. So please, the floor is yours. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at jfeeny3rd. Uh, if you want to follow Keeping It 100 with Conan, where I'm the the third seat and the uh, producer editor uh, at K100 Conan across Facebook. Uh, Twitter and Instagram, possibly MySpace. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm on Keeping It 100 with Conan every Thursday. Uh, Keeping It 100 Rehash uh, comes out early in the week. It's a uh, best of show that I put together uh, of the you know skits and interviews and all this arguments that people may not have heard from years ago on that show. Uh, I'm also on the Raven Effect, which comes out every Monday with Raven and, and Rich Bikini, which is a lot of fun if you like completely ridiculous silliness and uh you know that's the show for you it, it has no direction 
it wants no direction. <laughs> it's just whatever. No problem with there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the Creative Control Network, you can follow at the CC Network one. Uh, Chad's on there with Francine, of course. Also, uh, Diamond Conversations. Uh, your baseball interview show is on there. John Paz is on with Kevin Sullivan. And his uh, recent, uh, you know, it's like you guys both got a little passion project on there. You with Diamond Conversations and John with the business of the business, which in the business is actually people are noticing it. They, yeah. they you know, that's for really uh, hardcore fans where people in the business wondering where things are going and networks and money and all that. It's, it's a pretty fascinating show. Um, I've had some shows since the beginning, an honorable mention with Shane Hagedorn and Jeff Schwartz, uh, do a ring of honor retrospective show. They cover a different event or different ring of honor star every week based off fan votes. Uh, Pat McNeil and Jim Valley are on way back playback. They do a one hour watch along every week. Same thing based off of, uh, fan votes. And you got Husey, uh, you got Durbin, you got, uh, bang and dang on outlaws and gunslingers, which has, uh, been very successful. Hmm. So I, I kind of looked at it and went, let's see about this. We'll get something different on there. And uh, it's it's doing really well. It's doing really well. So I'm, gl I'm glad to see that. Um, let me see. Now, that's it for now. Yeah, so we have some shows that are on hiatus. They'll be coming back, you know, hopefully someday. <laughs> Shane Helms was uh, another early, early show in, in the history of the network. You know, he, he went back to WWE again after his furlough and doesn't really have time to record right now. So I told him. It's always there when you want to come back. So, you know, one day maybe you'll be seeing Shane again. And you never know who else could possibly show up on the Creative Control Network. You never just know. never Yep. I did notice that you said that the business of the business or people are watching it and they're getting to know it and that the gunslingers are so great and this and that. And my shows are just like, oh, yeah, we're on the network. Yeah, they're here. Uh, Francine, yeah, Diamond Conversations, some old guys uh, talking baseball. Uh, yeah, they're there too. <laughs> I think what happened was I plugged you right in the beginning. So then as I went, the momentum built a little bit, you know, the salesman built a little bit. I, we start, we start with the bottom, we move to the top, but no, I appreciate everything. It's uh it's great getting to uh, associate those shows with you. We, uh, we really appreciate it. I know Francine's a, a huge fan, appreciates everything that you do for us uh, behind the scenes. So uh, I can absolutely say that without a shadow of a doubt. If you want to follow me, it's at Chad EMB on Instagram and Twitter. The website for me, it's ibexclusives.com. I got all my autograph signing information on there. This website is tmptempire.com for everything under the two-man power trip of wrestling umbrella, including the shows on the brand where you'll find me with my buddy there, JP, John Paz, my great good friend, <laughs> and uh, our buddy, the franchise, Shane Douglas, every single week, the Triple Threat Podcast. Make you want to throw up that three, get your franchise fill on the, uh, the Russo brand, uh, and of course, in addition to Creative Control, patreon.com slash Francine Podcast for Eyes Up Here. Four episodes per week of God knows what. A hodgepodge of everything that you could possibly imagine. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's about all I got. So for these two dudes with attitudes, this is the Chadster. We will catch you on the flip side. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.